Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You never say never. With that said, I am never traveling again. How come you're not here? I'm never traveling again. No, not happening this year, huh, Mike? Can we hold on? Uh, yeah, no, back. no, unless you want to come to West Virginia. I'm never traveling again. I can't believe you're not here, dude. <laughs> Give it to him. <laughs> I can't believe you stood me up. I mean, I'm never traveling ever again. The old man's at home. He's in the studio sitting there. Yep, there he is. Look at that old man. I'm never traveling again. Where's the old man? F*** you, Darren Gant. <laughs> oh, those records are supposed to be uh, that was sealed. A good, might have been the best one of all time. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. I'm not oh, traveling man. again. I am at home. Chris is in Indianapolis in the cloud of COVID that is hovering over the media room. I, I, I know that nobody wants to hear about it anymore. I know. And in some circles, if you wear a mask, politicians chastise you publicly to remove them. But right. look, the pandemic is still a thing just because we've kind of collectively decided to not care about it anymore. It doesn't change it. So... I don't want to be the guinea pig for this new phase of two years is the statute of limitations on giving a crap about COVID. I, I'll let others provide the, the we'll petri test dish for, for that experiment. Be, yeah. Yeah, don't worry. I'm, that's what I'm here for, okay? That's, that's why you hired the dumb quarterback from New Jersey to work your show. I'll come here, take COVID for the team, and just uh, we'll keep chugging along. Don't worry. No problem. I'll be that petri dish for you. Not, a, not an issue at all. Actually, we may find out that having poison ivy wards off COVID. That could be a little yep. separate hey. side project for the CDC. 
There may be. Poison Ivy. Listen, I got a lot of things working in my favor from that in that department. I'm a blood type O, right, which there is a lot of evidence, I'm sure, if you've read anything about it, that, that don't get it as severely. And then, you know, daddy cigars apparently are pretty good for it, too. And so I got the trifecta work in there right now. I mean, that, that's that's what I've heard, at least. There is some science behind that, actually. One thing I'm Did curious you know about, but haven't been curious. I, I, I knew some of it. One thing I'm curious about, but haven't been curious enough about to actually ask anyone, is the the St. Elmo's and Prime 44, 45, 46 hike, I can't remember the number, is that scene the same as always? Is it like people everywhere, maskless, like it was two years ago? A hundred percent, yes, a hundred percent. There's, there's uh, only the people working the restaurants, the hotel. They're the only ones wearing the masks. I have not even thought about a mask since I got here in Indianapolis. It's totally been off my radar. And yes, from all everything I've heard, you know, prime steakhouse, right? The, the, the hangout, all that. No, nobody's got anything on. It's, it's kind of back to life as normal, which is nice. It's refreshing. I've enjoyed seeing everybody here, but. I understand, you know, people being a little squirmish about it, and you specifically too. I, I do get it. Trust me, I do. I like to give you a hard time about it, but I, I get it. We need to mark that 703 because there's a chance it's an accidental scholar situation, squirmish. I'm not sure squirmish is a word, but it's one of those because you've you've stumbled into a few of these where it is a simsism. But it's it, it ends up not being one. So Pete, check on squirmish. Yeah. I don't think squirmish is a well, word. It, Put me it, down. They're for, squeamish. Uh, it would right? be a challenge. Is squeamish. If yeah. It's yeah. And squirm, but not but squirmish. squirmish. Might work. I might have accidentally scholared into this one as usual, right? I don't know. You know gonna, it's been a little bit of a, a a whirlwind here the last few days, and my mind's all over the place. I'm going to pick up some good Scrabble words out of this relationship with you. Uh, so we'll good. find out if squirmish is indeed an acceptable usage. It, it is, is a, real, a real, word. real word. Eat it, uh, Florio. Squirmish. Look at me. My Boom. God. I'm, My God. Yes. All right. I strike again. Uh, Don't know if it's English or not, but I made it English. And I'm happy to see today on a Thursday that we've gotten back into our routine. Okay. Like in all seriousness. It's about damn time you wore that shirt again. Where the hell's that shirt have been? It was Thursday shirt for like 16 weeks of the NFL season, and then it disappeared for a while. So finally somebody cleaned it, and you finally went into the luggage? No, no. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. While I was in Los Angeles for nine days, my wife, to her immense credit, decided to venture into my office and clean it up. And my office has a bathroom attached to it, which was even more of a task when it comes to the challenge of cleaning it up. And uh, since I've been home, I, I, it's perfect. So like when I get a, a load of clothes out of the dryer, I don't just like throw them on a chair and just pick the clothes out and throw the dirty ones into a pile. And it's always easy to find this because it's in one of the piles. Now I had to actually go look for it in a drawer and I found it. So that's why I've, uh, today I got lucky. I looked in the right drawer. But but my my workspace is so much more nice and clean. And the challenge is to keep it that way. And I figure it'll last for a couple more weeks. And it'll be the you know how it is. Anytime you ever decide I'm turning over a new leaf, my desk is going to be clean. My locker is going to be clean. Yeah, right. My bedroom is going to be clean. There's a shelf life before it goes back to being the way it was. But I'm enjoying this phase. Of when I walk back into my office, it's like, wow, whose house is this? So I, I like wow. that. I like that little bump every day. 
All right, way to go, Jill. Way to go. I'm actually surprised you're not more of a clean freak anyways, honestly. You're so borderline OCD about so many things. I'd figure you'd be a clean freak too. <laughs> well, but when, you, when you're always – look, and the reality is if you're always busy and you're always going and you're always doing something, you don't have time yeah, to – like when, when do you find time to fold clothes? When do you find time to scrub the floor? When do you find time to – you know, it's, 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 it takes time and it takes away from stuff you'd otherwise do. Like we've taken eight minutes away from what we otherwise should be it doing, was a good which talk. is talking about football and the scouting combine and all of the things being said. See, what people don't understand is for the first few days of the scouting combine, nothing happens on the field. The action is in the room you're in because people are in there talking. Coaches, GMs, right. for the most part, other than Bill Belichick, I think, and the ones who didn't show up at all, like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, although McVay spoke to the media yesterday from L.A., there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of things being said. So let's get into it because... You saw in the opening we had Mike McDaniel, the new Dolphins coach, yesterday. Dolphins GM Chris Greer spoke to reporters yesterday, and he said a couple of things that caught our eye. First of all, he said the door is indeed slammed shut on a pursuit of quarterback Deshaun Watson. Watson's still available. Lovey Smith, the coach of the Texans, is basically begging someone to end this thing. Let's move on. Let's move forward. Let's get it done. Well, if the phone calls, if the phone rings, if someone calls, if the phone calls, the uh, team on the other end is not going to be the Miami Dolphins, according to Chris Greer. Now, it wouldn't be the first time somebody said something that wasn't true, but on this point, I he's writing them, a check don't you, on this one. He's writing a pretty clear yeah. check. Yeah. If, if, if they end up trading for Deshaun Watson, like if this was just some kind of weird leverage play because the Texans just want too much or whatever the case may be, then it will be, and I won't say the ultimate proof because it'll, it'll just be the latest example of how they say one thing and do another. But I kind of believe him on this one. I, I'm with you. I think the, the the some of the chatter that we heard right when the Brian Flores did get fired, you know, some of that it, it did seem like they were finally going to all right. We're going to try to make it work with Tua and Mike. I mean, I don't think this is like, you know, it's not news. It's news to finally hear them say that. But I know we discussed this a little bit when Brian Flores did get did get fired. That one of the things that we discussed and where I think the maybe the relationship went the wrong way there in that building down in Miami was that there was a disconnect in the conversation between Greer Ross and Brian Flores and Flores, who was, I think, all in on trying to get to Sean Watson and wanted to make that happen, you know, or at least it seems that way. But either way, I think there was a decision made in another room that Flores wasn't in between Greer and Ross, which is which is I've been told by by a few people, and the fact that they decide to cut off. You know, you have talked about it in the middle of the season during the trade deadline that they weren't going to pursue Deshaun Watson, and they left Brian Flores out of the you know out in the dark in that conversation. I think that was a little bit of the beginning of the end from the people I talked to associated with the situation. So I'm not surprised to hear them say this, and I think again when we look at who they hired here just recently and Mike. McDaniel, I think part of the reason they hired him because they think he's a guy that can make Tua work. And we've seen that McDaniel been in an offense there with Shanahan in San Francisco. It's not about a big arm and throwing the ball down the field and 20-yard out routes, right? It's quick stuff over the middle, you know, little quick play action pass, boom, 10 yards over the middle, Debo Samuel, right? That's what I think the Dolphins are going to emulate, and I think that's why they got McDaniel to pair him with Tua. And as it relates to Deshaun Watson, look, Stephen Ross wanted Deshaun Watson. Now, 
whether or not Ross was as aggressive as others in the building is uh, a matter of interpretation and discussion. But one of the things I heard recently is that Flores became fixated on Watson, regardless of who had the first right. idea. I've heard that as well. This. It became something right. that Flores really, really, really wanted to do to the point where someone suggested to me recently that if they had done that deal, if Watson had been there, Flores would still be the coach. That that one of the things that fractured the relationship was the failure to get Watson and the blowback right, right. after that because Flores really, yes. really, really wanted him. Now, he right. he wasn't the only one, but he developed, and you know him better than I do, but apparently he can get that tunnel vision when he decides he wants something and he wanted Deshaun Watson and it became a thing. And at the end of the day, Stephen Ross said, I want all 22 of these lawsuits to be settled or we're not doing this. Right. They couldn't get all 22 right. settled, so they didn't do it. So final. Right. And it, that, that makes it even more amazing that they turned around and went eight and one immediately after that door slam. Because it is. the height of dysfunction was when the trade deadline came and went and they didn't emerge from the process with Deshaun Watson. And it's a testament to everyone in the organization that at that moment – they were able to put it behind them and start winning football games. It is. Yeah, no, you're right. It is. It's a pretty remarkable thing. It's very rare that you see that. Uh, but, and I think, I, I, hey, I think we're unpacking this pretty much. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know you're right. Stephen Ross wanted him, certainly. But obviously, yes, when he decided, Stephen Ross, that he wanted those civil cases settled, there was a lack of communication between Greer, Ross, and Brian Flores. That certainly had to be a part of the issue. And Flores, you know, to your point with his, you know, whatever tunnel vision, yeah, you know, he's a New England guy. They know what they like. They know what they want. And I think there's also, you know, coming from New England, he worked in the scouting department. We've talked about this before. They have a formula and, you know, a, a, a certain measurables that have to fit for the, every position on their team, let alone quarterback. And I think they even, you know, hold more true to a guy like Brian Flores, who grew up in the AFC East and now was coaching in the AFC East. He knew, like, man, I don't you to win that division, we're gonna have to go to New England and pay, play, you know, New England, Buffalo, New York Jets, and some bad weather conditions. I know that was a concern with Tua. We've seen that already. It's two years, and we've seen Tua struggles when there's it's cold, a little bit drizzle rain whatever that is and I think that's where it all kind of came to a head or those were the issues at least uh nevertheless but it does seem like this Watson thing was kind of the the beginning of the end for uh that era there down in Miami and as it relates to Tua Chris Greer addressed him as well one thing he said was I think we're good with Tua and you know, you almost need to hear him say it and, and and read him as he says it. The one that really caught me, though, is he was asked whether or not Tua can be elite. And Greer said, I can't say he can't be, which I can't say he won't be. I can't say he can't be. I just I, I mean, th th that's not a that, ringing endorsement. I, I, I wouldn't be like, right. oh, man, they believe in him and he's going to be amazing. <laughs> right. But but it's an accurate assessment of the situation. I feel like they're going sure. to try to will him into becoming a, a better quarterback than he's been. And maybe Mike McDaniel's the guy to do it because of the offense, as you discussed, the way that that they they're going to operate that side of the ball, the way that they'll use Tua Tonga Bailoa. And that's the ultimate test 
of good coaching. We heard some of that yesterday from various people, and it's simple. It's the idea that you take what you have and you tailor your offense and your defense to the talents, the skills, and abilities of those players. So Mike McDaniel knows what he has in Tua. I mean, he he thrived as the offensive coordinator last year in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo, who has his own limitations. And uh, no doubt about and it. That's going to be the challenge for McDaniel. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then uh, at some point they move on from Tua. And, and maybe they're currently quietly looking for an upgrade if they can get one, but it just looks like this year isn't going to be the year because some of these guys who we thought were going to be on the move aren't going to be on the move. And if they're out of the Deshaun conversation, then you know I don't know where the clear upgrade to Tua is. It's not like Tua's horrible, right. but the question is, if you no. want a franchise quarterback, he's not it yet. And he can be. We're not saying he can't be. We're just saying based on what we've seen so far, he's not yet. Only five to ten guys right. can be among the top five or ten, and he's not one of them. That's right. No, that's right. You know, it's a tough question. The elite in the NFL right now is extremely elite. They're special. Two was not in that class. There's, and really, you know, I'll go as far to say as I don't know if that'll ever happen, really. I don't. I mean, I do I see limitations. But that doesn't mean you can't win and be successful with them like we've talked about before. We have enough teams here over the last decade that have made deep playoff runs, got to the Super Bowl, even a few that won the Super Bowl without elite quarterbacks, right? It's tougher. We know that for sure. There's less wiggle room and error for play and everything there. But I think, you know, to your point and what we talk about with McDaniel, I think that is part of the reason he got hired. I do. I think Miami feels the pressure about Tua. One, there's a tremendous backing down there, and he has a tremendous following like we've talked about before. I mean, Tuanon was a damn thing. Tuanon. I mean, I mean, we literally went eight weeks talking about that. That's how bad is I mean, not big was, the backing is. is it is. I know you're right. Is. I've just stopped. I've ignored it now. I stopped. I don't even pay attention to it anymore. So screw you, Tuanon. But after that, like, yeah, it's so. I think they feel the pressure of that. They feel the pressure of wait. We took this guy two steps over, you know, or two picks over Justin Herbert, and. They want to make it work with him, uh, I think, for all the reasons stated above there. And I'm not saying they can't, again, but we've seen some things, at least a question to go, that's a little concerning. Oh, the game in Tennessee this year, big game, got to play the Titans. It's a cold, a little drizzle day. Uh, I mean, Tua dropped the ball once. He threw some bad interceptions, lost control of the ball. We've seen him up in Buffalo not play that well there either. So those are the things that I think, you know, we still need to see improvement or growth. But I, I will say that I think he's in a, a system finally with McDaniel that will really have a lot of answers for him and accentuate the things he does really well and limit the things he doesn't do really well. And I'll say this too, Mike, and I don't think Mike McDaniel would be mad at me for for sharing this. Talking to Tua just off camera before we did our little interview with him yesterday, I, I felt like I saw like genuine excitement from him when he talked about Tua. He did. I, I don't think he's like, oh, man, I've gotten stuck with a bad quarterback, but this was the only job that offered me, and I'm going to make it happen. I think he likes his athleticism. He thinks it's going to work, right? We know Shanahan, McDaniel love the you know the bootlegs, moving the quarterback, the quick play action passes. That's going to fit Tua. Tua's got a very – he's got to have a quick release. It's smooth that way. It's not an overpowering arm, but he does throw a nice catchable ball. And I think those are things you can build on and win around. I do say that. As much as I know people think I hate Tua, I don't. I just have had my questions. That's all there is. The other side of the equation, too, and I think McDaniel addressed this yesterday in his press conference, they need a backup who can come in and go if Tua would get injured. And 
McDaniel yeah, was in San Francisco and the alternatives to Jimmy G were Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. And we saw what they did or didn't do when Garoppolo right. was injured. You got to have a plan B. You got to have a guy who can come in and play. You know, Marcus Mariota is going to be a free agent this offseason. And I've, I've, I've seen his name bandied about in different circles and Browns fans either are fascinated or up yeah. in arms about the possibility of him being the alternative to Baker Mayfield. But if we're talking about skill sets, if we're talking about starter gets injured and you want to plug in a guy who can do what the starter does, Mariota makes yeah. a lot of sense. He does. As the backup to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. It does. Similar background too, right? You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's a, I think there are some things there. And of course it's a, a similar, can be a similar style of play, but to your point, yeah, I think you, you, you said it right. You know, when it comes to Mariota, he's a much bigger man than Tua. Tango, Tua. Uh, I'm, I'm scared of his last name still. He's a much bigger man than Tua. He does have a stronger arm than Tua. And then, you know, to your point, Again, this is Mike McDaniel where they've, you know, toyed Shanahan and them with some of the quarterback run stuff and Trey Lance last year and all that. Now you've you got a guy like Mariota there. It, it makes sense. I can get behind that. I understand that. But Mariota's going to be sought after. He's going to be up there with – he's going to be in the conversations of <clears throat> Band-Aid starting quarterback or high-end backup quarterback. And I think there is, you know, like you said, there's been a lot of chatter about him. There's going to be a big market for Mariota. He's going to have a lot of options. And what the Dolphins would pay him would be fascinating because they're in year three of the Tua rookie contract, right. so they can carve off a little extra money in the overall quarterback budget for their backup, and and that would make waves. Once we see what what he would get in Miami if he would land there, we'd be like, oh boy, he's making more money than Tua, and he would be, at least in salary for this year. I mean, Tua's main compensation came from his signing bonus but when you get to year three and year four of that rookie top 10 quarterback contract the money isn't great Kyler Murray for example five and a half million is his compensation for this year now again the big chunk came when he signed his signing bonus in 2019 but uh, that, that's where Tua is in year three in a low number so you got more of your overall quarterback budget that can go to the backup all right uh, a big bigger chunk of money is going to Russell Wilson with the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, it's died down this year. Last year, it was clear that Russell was agitated after they went 12-4 and four and one and done. The 2021 season, he was injured. It, 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 he just doesn't seem as anxious as he was a year ago. Right. And that's reduced this sense that he's looking for a way out. So, flip it around. Yesterday, Pete Carroll, coach of the team, talking to reporters, addressing the question of whether or not Pete Carroll... Uh, we'll be trading Russell Wilson, but also as part of this package, Russell Wilson from earlier in the week talking about his current desire to stay with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. I'm from Richmond. I know what you mean. I got people hitting me up every day, but uh, all my friends and all that from the East Coast. But uh, Seattle is the place that, that, that I'm at right now, and I love it, and uh, it, it's great. Man. Have, you, have you received any offers or inquiries from other teams on possibly trading Russell Wilson? Um, at this time of year, we're, we're, you know, there's conversations about everybody. We're talking about everybody. And that's commonplace for us to have conversations with teams about all of the players, particularly marquee players. And that's not changed. It's been the same every year we've been here. So it's the same as it's been. We have no intention of making any, any move there. Um, but the conversations, John has to feel those he always has. Uh, but nothing specific to, to that. We have no intent to trade Percy Harvin. That was nine years ago. 
Rick Spielman <laughs> yeah, said right. that about the receiver who days later was traded to the Seattle Seahawks. So when you say no intention, right. I'm sorry, that's a signal because a guy's either untouchable or he isn't. And if he's untouchable, you don't say we have no intention. You say we're not. Not no intention. We're not. We have no intention, but if someone makes us an offer we can't refuse, we'll take it. No, we're not. You're not going to hear no intention from the Bengals about Joe Burrow. You're not going to hear no intention from the Chargers about Justin Herbert. You're not going to hear no intention from the Chiefs about Patrick Mahomes. That is a signal to someone out there. If you want to try to blow us away, go ahead and do it. And now, Russell's still got no trade clause, but that's a signal from Pete Carroll. He's been around long enough to know what that means and how that should be received by the other 31 teams. Yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't disagree with you there. It does seem like chatter has like died down, you know, just as far as things that, you know, you and I hear through people through the NFL. I don't hear a lot about, <clears throat> excuse me, Russell Wilson and, you know, him trying to make a move right now. I don't. It seems like it's died down. I don't know how to feel about the situation a little bit. Like I, I'm a little bit more like, like there, there's a few things that go through my mind here, Mike. First off, you know we know they're they're not afraid to make moves up in Seattle, and we also know right a few years ago when the Cleveland Browns had the number one pick that Seattle called Cleveland and said we'll give you Russell Wilson, we want the number one pick, and they were going to take Josh Allen. That's what they wanted to do. They're not afraid to do those things. Jamal Adams, Dwayne Brown, whatever. They've made aggressive moves. You know here we are with this team. That's where. You know, that's where I look at it sometimes and I go, wait, it seems like Russ wants out of there. It has seemed like that for the last two years, like you've discussed. And then I think the other thing I look at, too, with Seattle is just like, where are they as a team right now? You know, I understand you might want to keep Russ. I get that. He's one of the best quarterbacks in football. But at the same time, damn, there's a lot of holes up in Seattle. There really is. And if I put myself in their shoes, too, at times, I sit here and go, well, if you got a guy that's not necessarily that happy about being there, and if you feel that way, he doesn't have the longest contract. He's going to be able to get out of there soon or be a free agent. Well, if I'm them, I would be thinking about it. Wait, we could rebuild our team. We could get three first-round picks and you know maybe some other things and assets and then start to start another run here <clears throat> if we're the Seattle Seahawks. And that's where you know I think I find it interesting. But maybe Pete Carroll also looks at it and goes, "Well, I'm getting up there. I might not be here long enough, you know, to to, to bear the fruits of of the trade and everything, and, and take advantage of that five or six years from now." So there's a lot of things that make me feel a lot of different ways, and I don't have a feel for how this thing's going to go yet. Well, first of all, Russell Wilson is never going to come out and say, "I want out." We know that. That's right. But there right. was a greater sense of agitation last year. When they went 12-4, and four, they lost in the first round of the playoffs at home. He was dismayed. He was disgruntled. He was miserable sitting next to Roger Goodell at Super Bowl 55. That was funny. That was one of the funny images coming out of the Super Bowl. It was obvious he was miserable. And he was miserable because he was watching Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes down on the field. And he's farther and farther removed from right. the last time he was on the field in a Super Bowl. So uh, we, we, we saw his appearance on Dan Patrick last year where he was shockingly candid about his concerns. And then that culminates in his agent saying, my client doesn't want to be traded. But if he were to be traded, he would accept a trade to the Bears, the yeah, Raiders, right. the Saints, or the I mean, Cowboys. That's the that, that, thing was ever. that was unprecedented. That was unprecedented. I've never heard anything. Right, I agree. Now, but, but I think the reason the chatter isn't there now, Chris, is because yeah. 
there hasn't been the noise from Russell the way that there was last year. And and maybe right. maybe it's because he's content or maybe it's because he 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 knows that Pete Carroll is going to come out and say we have no intent to trade Russell Wilson as the signal for people to start calling. I mean, because from the Seahawks perspective, he's got two years left under contract. Traditionally, he gets a new deal when he's in the last year of his current contract. Right. When he's entering that last year. Remember, it was three years ago they did the big thing about, oh, he's got to have a new deal in place by the start of offseason workouts. And the Seahawks made him one of the highest paid players in football right before the start of offseason workouts. Where so He went on Jimmy Fallon, and you're right. Well, what's Jimmy Fallon doing asking football questions? That was that was fed to him by it Russell was all a So you may be the highest you may right. be the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Like Jimmy Fallon cares <laughs> Nobody about Nobody even talked about that. Should. Yeah. We just know he doesn't. And <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't a talking right. point. It just came out of left field when he's on this, <laughs> right. this uh, late night show. So um so they know that's coming next year. I think from Seattle's perspective, they have to ask themselves, what do we get now versus what do we get next year? Because we think next yeah. year when he starts when he starts jostling to be a $50 million a year guy, we're going to say no, and that's when it's going to come to a head. Right. So do we get more now? Are we willing to yeah. forego one more season with Russ and get more now than what we would get next year? I think that's the analysis the Seahawks are going to have to engage in. I, I don't disagree with you. It makes it makes sense. It does. Yeah, I think, you know, again, if, it seems like now is the time to make the move if you're going to because you, you're, they're going to lose some leverage to your point after next season's over, you know, and then you have the contract negotiations, everything that goes in with that. And then if he just wants to say, fine, I'll just, I'll just play the last year and become a free agent or, or do that. You know, that's going to put a course pressure on the situation and hurt their stance as far as having power and trade opportunities as well. So uh, I'm with you. And this is one I'm, I'm certainly going to keep my eye on a little bit. I haven't heard much about it lately though. You know, I think, I don't know if you have either. I just, you know, this is a subject that, you know, it, it just kind of comes out of nowhere at times with Russell Wilson, but uh, definitely a little bit of a tricky situation. And and listen, I can see Russell Wilson why he'd want to get out there, get out of there. I get that. You know, I think the current status of the team is a little bit like on the fence. It could go either way. You know, as we said, there's there's a lot of issues, secondary issues, corner issues, not a lot of big difference makers on the front line on defense. We know the offensive line needs some rebuilding. You know, running back, you know, Rashad Penny showed up at the end of the year, but can he be dependent on? I mean, it's 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 all across the board there, let alone you and I had a lot of games last year where we came away going, man, the Seattle offense, I mean, Russell said he wanted to be all about him, and it's still the same Seattle offense we watched for the last eight years. It was no different. And that's where I just look at it and go, well, why would Russell be – like happier this year than last year that's where I don't understand it I just feel like it's one of those things that's kind of just waiting in the wings and it's just going to smack us in the face like two weeks down the road here and we're going to hear all about it and it's all going to come you know to some sort of a a head or at least something's going to happen and and now's the time to send that message when everyone is in town when everyone is together this is where deals get done whether it's between teams and prospective free agents, although there isn't as much blatant tampering as there used to be because of the two-day window when the negotiations are allowed to happen. But if there is a trade to be had, this it's because it, this is what happens. When everyone's in town together, and this is very low-tech, but it's very human nature, you don't have to be the one who makes the phone call to Pete Carroll or John Schneider and initiate the conversation. Because if you do that, you're operating from a position of weakness. If you want Russell Wilson and you call them first, then, then you're giving up some power. 
And if they want to move sure. Russell Wilson and they should actually call you, they give up the power. But when when they're out, you know, at St. Elmo's or Prime or wherever, beer and drinking or whatever, a few yep. beers and you know, it just kind of spontaneously happens when you run into somebody and and it's not as stark as ringing them up on the phone and bringing up the topic. So there's a way to ease into the conversation. And that can be very valuable because then neither side is operating out of that position of weakness and you can work your way toward a fair outcome. And, and that, that's, that's why it's valuable to have everyone in the same place at the same time at the scouting combine because these deals can happen without the impediments of the usual someone's got to be the first one to make a move. And so now's yeah. the time. And anyone who was paying attention yesterday what Pete had to say, if they saw Pete or Schneider anywhere last night and they're interested in Russ, now's the time to casually spark up that conversation and see where it goes. No doubt. And, and, you know, the conversation is not going to go anywhere. You know, again, I think you, you laid it out perfectly. Russell's always been cryptic. We're never going to hear the full truth from him. He's going to say what he needs to say in front of the microphone. And then he's going to release messages, you know, other ways behind the scenes. And then the absolute, I don't know, I don't aggressive nature putting themselves out there of the Washington commanders. And then the fact that he lived and grew up not far from there, I just feel like the conversa- this conversation ain't going anywhere. Washington has put themselves out there that they want a quarterback and they're a player in the game. They really have. Ron Rivera's not hiding from it. Nobody – I mean, it, it's you, you, you just hear it out loud here. They're going for a quarterback. They want somebody new. They need that guy to push their team over the edge. And that's where, you know, one I'm, I'm going to continue to look at. And I don't know if that's a big enough market for a guy like Russell Wilson and Sierra. Do they care either way? But there's certainly some pieces in place there that I would like if I was a, a guy like Russell Wilson. Well, and, and since we're in that neighborhood, let's go ahead and have that conversation now. Because yeah, I, it, it caught my ear yesterday that Martin Mayhew came out and said, we have contacted every team that may have right? a quarterback who is available. Every team. First thing right. I thought, because there's a couple levels to this. First thing I thought was, well, didn't Brian Gutekunst just say that no one's called about Aaron Rodgers? Surely Washington called Aha, Packers about Aaron Rodgers. That was a good one. You're right. <laughs> right? Right? Aha. And <laughs> Yeah. And, right. <laughs> and, and, and there's a reason to do it because, well, well no, we don't know that Aaron wants out yet. Yeah, but... Mayhew specifically mentioned the inside job that went down last year that sent Matthew Stafford to the Rams, that no one else need even bother apply, that it all happened before other teams that may have wanted him had an inkling he was available. So Mayhew's deciding to be proactive this year. So, and I, I, you know, hey, Gutekun said what he said. I got a little pushback last night for pointing that out, but I'm sorry. He said what he said. He didn't have to say it. I don't care if it was lighthearted or not. He said it. And when you have a super sensitive starting quarterback and you've already got Matt LaFleur tiptoeing on eggshells about saying or doing anything that may annoy Aaron Rodgers and you got Gutekunst once a week making a comment that could piss the guy off whether he's doing it on purpose or not. I mean, when you come out and say, oh, nobody's called about Aaron Rodgers, first of all, just saying that could potentially piss him off. And second of all, it may not be true because Washington's called everybody. It doesn't make make it make sense, Chris. It makes no sense. It doesn't. Yeah, it makes no sense. It does not. You're right. I mean, I, and yeah, I'd have a hard time Washington didn't call Green Bay. I mean, yeah, that, that you're, you're right. Inspector Gadget all over that one. I know I didn't even put that one together there. 
But yeah, there was some BS, so we need to throw the challenge flag on Goody. Like it's it's challenge there, definitely. I mean, yeah, and and Washington, they're, think, they're just look, they're not look, hiding I'm it. I'm gonna get yeah. I'm gonna get a hostile text message or a hostile phone call from somebody for saying this, and I'm not saying who it's gonna come from, whether it's the team or yeah. But I'm just gonna say it. I almost feel like Gutekunst wants him to go. I almost feel like Gutekunst is ready to rip the Band-Aid off. That this guy's been a pain in the ass for the past couple of years. He's getting in the way of what we're trying to do, building a team long-term. We're doing too much to have to cater to this guy. We have to turn upside down the way we run around a football team. We got a guy who wants a seat at the table when we don't traditionally give guys seats at the table. They're here. They play. That's their job. And when their job's over, they move on. We got to bring back Randall Cobb. I didn't want to bring back Randall Cobb. Now I got to bring back Tom Clements. I didn't want to bring back Tom Clements. We fired him for a reason. I'm sick of having to tiptoe around this guy. It's better to just move on. I, f- I feel like at some level, consciously or subconsciously, Gutekunst is just I'm ready to you. move on. And, and these, I, these I, statements I so. he's made uh, yeah. the last week make me think that it's a manifestation of this desire to just get this thing over with. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you there. I, I have those feelings too. I, I do. I, I mean, again, they, they've sent out that they have those feelings. First off, the, the biggest signal they sent was they signed Jordan Love I mean drafted Jordan Love in the first round I don't know what says it more than that I I don't know you know I know they have their process and how they build the team and do that but it does seem like there was some of that there I understand that I'm sure Rodgers can be a pain in the butt we know that yes but they set it up that way too and like we've talked about they've empowered quarterbacks there in Green Bay that way so uh yeah he's probably put a wrench in their plan but you know, like Rodgers, they're kind of stuck in a tough spot of not wanting to to disappoint a huge faction of the fan base. And, of course, the optics of the situation is you're going to trade away the guy that just won the MVP of football two years in a row? You know, that's a tough thing to do. It really is. So they're playing the political game of we'll give him whatever money he wants. Here's your quarterback, favorite quarterback coach. You know, we're going to try to get – we're going to get Devontae Adams. They're trying to put all the public pressure on him so it's for him to make, and they don't have that. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying, and I do get the sense that I'm sure they are. Murphy, Gutenkos, they're probably so sick of talking about Aaron Rodgers and tiptoeing and making their coach feel uncomfortable about the whole situation and all of it. How could they not want to just be done with this, you know, conversation altogether? And he's 38 years old. At some point, father time is going to win. Just because Tom Brady has made it well into his 40s and still may keep playing doesn't mean that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to physically fall off the cliff. The moment he starts to lose the ability to run the way that he does, to move away from pressure, that's going to be the thing that puts him in harm's way, potentially gets him injured, potentially gets him out. You know, he's had that broken collarbone. Why? A couple of times, broken collarbone, got dragged down to the ground. And and once these guys can catch up with him and get better angles on him, he gets hit again, he gets dragged down to the ground, he breaks collarbone again. So those are all factors as he gets closer to 40. Uh, and those are football. That's unrelated to the pain in the ass factor. So I'm just I'm trying to interpret what's in front of us. And what's in front of us is right. a couple of comments made by Brian Gutekunst in the last week that would tend to piss off a guy who listens to everything, watches everything, tries to act like he doesn't, but is extra ultra super sensitive about anything anyone says about him, especially the people who are in his in his bubble, who are in his yeah. realm, and, and and those he already has a not great relationship with. So of course anything Gutekunst says is gonna is gonna land on the radar screen for Aaron Rodgers and 
Uh, there's just this idea that they, oh, we haven't got, like, like nobody wants him. Like, are, what do you, like, oh, you know, you know what? No one's called about him. Hey, Aaron, Aaron wants to be traded. Sorry, nobody's called about you. I mean, give me a freaking break. <laughs> They're going to line up out the door to get Aaron Rodgers if he's available and if he wants out. And yeah. I think they've been waiting, except for Washington. That's the thing that makes this, the logic of this all fall apart. Washington clearly has called. No doubt. Washington is clearly called. They're waiting because they want to hear from Rodgers, right? They just want to hear the final statement, which, you know, again, hopefully for their sake happens soon because they are in a tough situation here. I mean, they are. They're just they're waiting on a guy to tell them if he's going to come play quarterback for them or not or if I'm done with you and I'm moving on and, you know, I want a, a, a new partner in this. Uh, it's a tough situation for Gutenkoos and the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals, the, the Packers. Uh, be interesting to see where it goes. And hopefully Rodgers does make a decision here in the next week or two for his own sake, like we talk about, and for the team's sake. He said he would. He said he would. Three weeks ago today, he said, I'm going to take a couple of weeks, and then a decision is going to come pretty quick. And he said before that, it's going to come before free agency. Well, free agency begins in 13 days, officially. Unofficially, it begins in 11 days. So we're getting closer and closer. I expect something by the end of the week. I think if it doesn't happen by Monday, then we have every right to go back and say, what the hell, Aaron? You created the impression that you were going to let us know by now. One more thing about the Washington situation. Yeah. And, and how I first became aware of the comments from Martin Mayhew there are folks dragging the commanders, and it's very easy to drag the commanders. It's very easy right now to find fault with things they do. I'm going to defend them yeah. on the notion that they called every single team. There's folks having a big laugh over the fact that they called the Chiefs, because I guess somebody from the Kansas City Star decided to make an article that's trapped behind a paywall that's a collection of tweets from fans pointing and laughing at the Washington Commanders because John Kime of ESPN.com reported on Tuesday that they actually have called every single team, not just the teams that may have someone available. They've called every team about their quarterback. And that makes sense if that happened because they got burned last year on the Matthew Stafford thing. Because, why exactly. not? hey, if we didn't, we didn't know he was available last year, so there's only one way to find out. It, all it costs right. is a phone call, and it doesn't, it doesn't even cost anything anymore. You, I remember you used to have to pay extra to make a long-distance call, and it was a big deal. You had to talk fast and hurry up because it was like $10 a minute. No, you can call anybody you want anytime you want. If you're willing to spend the time to call 31 teams, you can find out. And I don't know why they're getting dragged. Oh, what idiots. They called the Chiefs about Patrick Mahomes. Well, they also would have called the Bengals about Joe Burrow. And they would have called the Chargers about Justin Herbert. What, it, it takes a minute of your life to make that call. Exactly. It's smart you to make, make that call. call. You, don't, you turn exactly. over every you do rock. Your due diligence. And you may find exactly. something. Yes. Exactly. Like they, you, he, he could have called the Chiefs and Bre they could have had a conversation with Brett Veach and Brett Veach could have said, you know what, I talked to team blah, blah, blah yesterday too and they're, they might be willing to trade their quarterback. So the, the call could have still had value even though like, yeah, I'm sure Martin Mayhew and company called the Chiefs. They're not expecting you know, Patrick Mahomes to be available. But to your point, Stafford came out of nowhere last year. Yeah, and there was two or three teams that were dying to get Stafford and just couldn't get in the race because – you know, the train tracks have been laid down by the Rams in Detroit already to a point to where he's going to go there. It was, it was too late. Nobody could get in and bid officially and, and make a market for the trade there. It was an inside deal. Plus, Stafford wanted to go there. We know that. So it was a double whammy. Uh, I have no problem with them calling every team. And people are, come on, they, they're doing what they got to do, and they're doing it the right way. 
And to call every team, yeah, sure. I know there's a few, like you said, that are going to be like, all right, uh, that, yeah, you know we're not letting get a go of him. But you might gather some other information about guys that you didn't know were available or whatever else along the way that might help your football team. And look, you never know what's truly going on behind the scenes. You never know if there's a team out there that is secretly wishing and hoping that someone will call. And and one thing that Ron Rivera said earlier this week, like as it relates to the compensation that the Rams gave up to get Matthew Stafford, now two ones and a three. One of those ones was to unload the god-awful Jared Goff contract, frankly. Right. I think it was a one and a three for Stafford and a one to please take Jared Goff away from us and all the guaranteed money. But you know, Rivera said, who cares what they gave up for Stafford? Look at what they got. So Washington exactly. stands at the ready to give everything to get a quarterback. They understand the value of a quarterback. Ron Rivera had nine years in Carolina with Cam Newton, franchise quarterback, MVP in 2015. That's right. They're ready. They're calling everyone. And it's not and, – and I are. know we're – hey, I know we're looking for things to laugh about, but but you, you can find something better to laugh about than the idea that Washington called the Chiefs because they called the Chiefs, they called the Bengals, they called the Bills, they called the Chargers. There's a lot of other quarterbacks that you would look at and say, why the hell would they call that team? Because they made the conscious decision to call every team so they don't miss any possible quarterback trade. And it took – two, three minutes out of their life to do it. So you do it. It's, 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 it makes sense. They're doing something Easy. right. Yes. Let's, let's criticize them for the things they do wrong. This is something right that they did. It's smart. They're trying to upgrade at quarterback, and they're looking everywhere for the opportunity to do so. No, no doubt, no doubt, and they're, they're not hiding it. I'm, I'm all for it. I hear it. They're, they're to me going to be the interesting team to, to watch here going forward because there's going to be. It sounds like super aggressive to make a move to get somebody, and uh, we'll see. You know, again, I, I, they've called Houston, I'm sure, and they talked to Nick Casario, and that's where you know the Watson thing gets interesting too. And this, this quarterback uh, carousel going to be fun to watch over the next month or so. I. I don't think they can bring Watson to town when we consider not to that team. The other issues, not to that team, not that team. That's right. the one team that cannot nope. bring Washington. They cannot bring Watson to town. Uh, by the way, before we take a break, I'm a little squeamish on whether or not squirmish is a word because some of the destinations online say that it is a word. However, however, Merriam-Webster Dictionary.com no results returned for squirmish. Skirmish gotcha. yet. Squirmish, no. But elsewhere, squirmish, yes. So it may be one of those words where if you use it enough, eventually Merriam-Webster just sense. surrenders. Like they surrender to gonna... irregardless. After years right. and years of people incorrectly using irregardless, they just said, boy, I'd really like to say. We'll make it a F word. Dash, dash, <laughs> K it. But they just said, screw it. I mean, Lee Corso got away with it. Guy on NFL Network did it on live TV. I'd love to just say, but they said, F it. Irregardless is a word now. So if we say squirmish enough, people, people, join in the cause. Squirmish. Not squeamish. It makes more sense than not squeamish. Skirmish. Really, I think I'm squirmish. onto something. Squirmish is the way to go. You're squirming. I'm a little squirmish. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's like you if you were here with the cloud of COVID over you. You'd be squirmish. <laughs> I'd be. I'd be punchish. I'd be. I'd be kicking and punching. I'd be in, in nonstop battle stance. Anyone get? You just have to give up. You eventually just have to give up. I've seen the images behind you, and they're horrifying. Uh, but we'll see who tests positive when this is all said and done. Let's take a break. 
more PFT Live no one's from the scouting Don't worry. combine. At least, at least from Chris's perspective, when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. He's not going to go hide in a corner because Bruce Arians is huffing and yeah. puffing. It's going to make him stand up and blow, blow Bruce, uh, blah, yeah, blah, 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 kid can't even talk. Blow Bruce Arians' house down. Say that five times fast. Blow Bruce Arians' house down is what I was trying to say. If I blow right. Bruce Arians' house down five times fast, I might get us fired. That's a tough one, and I'm not going to say it. So, <laughs> right. but, <laughs> but. That was yesterday regarding the back and forth between the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, specifically Bruce Arians saying some things that may have Tom Brady a little bit irritated and agitated. We may talk later about some things that Brady had to say yesterday, adding fuel to the fire that is the mystery of his football future. But one mystery has been solved yesterday, out of the blue, as the Cardinals were reeling from the Kyler Murray single-page, single-space, small-font manifesto from agent Eric Burkhart, they announce... New contracts with Steve Keim, the GM, and and Cliff Kingsbury, another client of Eric Burkhart. Both guys Crazy. signed through 2027. What the hell? What the hell is going on? There's there's Eric Burkhart congratulating his client on a well-earned contract extension leveraged by Eric Burkhart because, look, Burkhart's got the Cardinals <laughs> in a great spot. Great spot. He's got their most important player and their head coach. And I know when there was some talk about maybe Kingsbury being in trouble, I guarantee you, based on some things I heard, they would have had a real problem yeah. with Kyler Murray if they had fired Cliff Kingsbury. I bet. So if they want Kyler, they got to keep Cliff, period. And now they've kept Cliff, right. which backs them into a corner to give Kyler what he wants. This is masterful by Burkhart. It, well, yeah, they've been in a corner. You know, they, we we talked about this. I mean, they've kind of pigeonholed themselves a little bit to a degree because the way they set up the team with Kyler, bringing a coach there to begin with that's you know a system that's comfortable with Kyler, it's been all about Kyler. And I think that's also why we hear the rumors at times of like, you know, 
he he can be the what what was the the quotes a little bit of a finger pointer can be a little bit more of a pain in the butt behind the scenes you know not a direct quote there or anything you know but it, it probably is a little bit of that that starts that chatter but I can get behind this I mean again either way no matter what the optics are here I, I look at this as a good move the right move. The Cardinals are going in the right direction here. You don't just like throw over what you got there in Arizona right now for for I don't know what we're going to get after this. You got a good thing going. We've seen positive results from Cliff Kingsbury. They haven't been maybe what we all want. We know they've kind of fallen apart at the end of seasons, but they did get a little more growth this year going to the playoffs. You know, they got some talent on the team. So, you know, here in this age where there's overreaction and owners want more and more and more, I'll give Bidwell credit here in the fact that to recognize that, hey, we got something here and let's not abandon ship and let's keep building. And he obviously likes what he sees from Cliff Kingsbury. And we know Murray's got talent and Kimes Kimes reinfused that team with talent across the board the last two or three years. So uh, I'm all for it. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I believe now that this is beginning to resolve, that in the aftermath of the season, the Cardinals knew they were going to have to pay Kingsbury and they're going to have to pay Kyler. And they weren't happy with the way the season ended. Who would have been? It was an abysmal yeah. ending. 10-2 and two start, fell apart Bad. down the stretch, got their asses kicked by the L.A. Right. Rams. In prime time on Monday night, Kyler Murray had that ridiculous Carson Wentzish throw from the end zone. So, so somebody with the Cardinals decided, we're going to try to squeeze these guys to take less money because they, they sucked down the stretch. They just did. So we're going to try to get them to take less money. And one of the ways to do it is we're going to start chirping a little bit to the media. Oh, Michael Bidwell's livid about the, the way the season ended. And Cliff Kingsbury hasn't even spoken to him yet. That That's the Cliff side of it. And I believe the other side of it, we talked about this, trying to make sense of why Chris Mortensen would have gone public with this notion that sources say that right. Kyler Murray is self-centered, finger-pointing, and immature. And he's only going to do it if it's coming from the top of the organization. And I think Bidwell Agreed. was putting it out there. I think this was their effort to try to get these guys to want less money, and it blew up in their faces. And they realized, we better back off here. Because I think Burkhardt got involved and said, hey guys, if you mess around with this, you're going to lose both of them. You're going to lose Kyler. Kyler's going to want out. So knock it off. Knock it off now. If you value having these guys around, or if you want to go back to having a crap team, like you did before Kyler got here, that's your prerogative. Right. But yeah, I, I think I think that Burkhart successfully shouted down whatever game the Cardinals were trying to play, and the Kingsbury contract is the first step. And there's another reason why it's a good move. You're getting ready to start free agency. You, you now you don't yeah, have right. a lame duck coach. Now you got a guy that's uh-huh. signed through 2027, so you can go out and recruit people to make your team better. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, and again, you got the quarterback too. That's he's talented enough that people are going to want to go there. I mean, that you know, just not to say it's like Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Mahomes or Brady. I know it's not to that t- type of status yet, but you know, again, like you know, it's still a quarterback that we know is a difference maker and can do things on his own that are are special outside the realm of the playbook and everything there, Mike. And, you know, you bring up an interesting point. I don't think I totally disagree with you there. You know, it does seem like it was a little bit of a smear campaign by somebody high up in the Cardinals organization to either back them down for less money or to maybe make them like, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, chicken to even ask for the new contract. Like, oh, the owner's not happy. We didn't really end that well. Man, that's, you know, 
you know, pretty ego, egotistical of me to ask for more money with the way it ended. I think that's what it seems like, or if I had to guess what Bidwell was trying to do or somebody high up in the organization, and you're right, it backfired. It totally backfired. And the fact where, you know, Murray got mad and – Come on, he's got a backing of the fan base there. He is the star, the, the lead gem for that football team. And Cliff Kingsbury, you say what you want. He is young. We know he's done some good things there. He knows how to relate to players and all of that. And then plus you add the two guys being represented by the same guy. Yeah, they, they, it backfired on the Cardinals in a big way. And now they're going to pay. And now they're going to they're gonna have to pay Kyler Murray here soon because it's going to become an issue. And now Kyler doesn't seem like the type of guy, Mike, to me that – you know, he might be quiet about it, but he's going to send his cryptic messages out there and let you know that he's not happy about it. If we're sitting here in in middle of May and he's not far enough down the road with contract talks or negotiations, I don't think he's the kind of guy that's just going to sit back and be, you know, content. Uh, so they're, they're going to have to do that soon here, too, and I would expect that to be done pretty soon. Two important factors about the Kingsbury contract. Number one, we don't know how much yeah. he's making yet. I haven't seen any report. And and if you're out there thumping your chest about how, you know, hey, oh, great contract. If it's a great contract, Eric Burkhart's going to find a way to leak the dollars to somebody. And the fact that the dollars aren't out there yet, there's a, I think it's a 24-hour rule that other agents apply, that if within 24 hours after the deal is announced, we don't know how much the deal is worth, Probably not a deal worth bragging about. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not. Look, the market is all over the place right now for coaches. It Ten million all a over. year right. could be pretty good, but not great in today's market. So I don't know what Kingsbury's making. But I'm just saying the silence uh, will become deafening because obviously, if it's a great deal, it's going to be boasted about. Secondly, we don't know how much of it's guaranteed. You know, it used to be every penny, yeah. every year, every contract, right. every check was fully guaranteed. Now you'll have some back-end years that aren't, and uh, yeah. maybe these aren't. We, ju- we just don't know. Until we see the actual details, and we may never see them, we won't know how good of a deal this is. But it seems like a long time. To extend through 2027, that seems like a long time. It does. It tells me that the Cardinals were very interested in creating the impression of stability and sanity in Arizona as they try to compete with the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Rams. All right. Um, Kyler Murray has three years in. Windows open on a new contract. He presumably, desperately, and deservedly wants it before the start of the 2022 season. Lamar Jackson has four years in now. Didn't get a contract last year. Represents himself. We consistently heard he's just not engaging with the Ravens. And the Ravens, I think, had been a little careful about coming out and saying it. Yesterday, Eric DaCosta pretty much came out and said it. Here he is talking about Jackson's contract. We will work at Lamar's urgency. So he and I have had ongoing discussions. Um, You know, we've talked fairly recently as well. He knows how to find me. I know how to find him. I was very happy um, to see him working out on the West Coast recently with some of our guys. That's exciting. Something that we really think will help us this year be the very best team that we can be. He's a guy that when we think about the Ravens three, four, five years from now, we envision Lamar being a very, very big part of that team and definitely a player that can help us win Super Bowls. They can't get his attention. They can't get him to Have you ever seen anything like this? Negotiations. Right? No. Yeah. Because he's already it's lost crazy. money. His, and, but, but here's the problem. Has he lost money? I don't know because he won't engage. And it puts, if it's deliberate, it's genius. 
because the Ravens are discombobulated. They would much rather deal with an agent, even if the agent would hold their feet to the fire and make them pay more. At least they would be able to know what it's going to cost and they'd get it done and they'd have the certainty. Right now, there is no certainty. Right now, it's $18.8 million for this year. And then next year, if he doesn't engage, franchise tag. And then the year after that, franchise tag at a 20% raise. And the year after that's the 44%. There's no way you're going to make that work increase. It's going to be $70, $80 million by the time you do these percentages. The numbers keep going up and up. So um, how different from the situation they had with Joe Flacco nine years ago? Where, uh, yeah, he backed them into a corner, but at least he was represented by an agent. They sat down, they worked it out, they did what they had to do. They, right. They can't, they can't get him to do anything. And it's, hey, Chris, at some point, at some point, you just got to pivot to Tyler Huntley and say, hey, Tyler, you're not as good as Lamar. We know that. You know that. Everybody knows that. But at least we can get a contract put in place with you. And dollar for dollar, we're probably going to have a better deal than the way this thing's going to continue to spiral with Lamar Jackson. But he's he's hurting his leverage already by not having a deal in place because of what happened last year with the injuries and he was less effective. It's he 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 just needs he needs why would he not hire an agent? He needs to hire an agent and get this damn thing done. It it's crazy. I I'd never I don't remember ever seeing anything like this. I really don't. You know, I mean, listen, re- representation, right? I mean, we just talked about a guy with Kyler Murray. There he is. He doesn't have nearly the the pelts on the horse that Lamar Jackson does through year three, and he's going to get a new contract this year because of representation and he want they're being aggressive. You know, the, the problem here is, you know, with, with, with Lamar is this seems, you know, status quo or par for the course, however you want to say it. You know, th- this has gone down ever since the draft, not being able to get in contact with Lamar Jackson about anything. There's there, no, nobody. You can't get in there. It's I, I mean, it seems like him and his mother have things on lockdown. But, yeah, you're getting to the point here to me where you're going – you're you're endangering yourself, Lamar Jackson. You're endangering yourself. I am rooting for you. I want you to make as much money as possible. You've won an MVP. You've led a bunch of teams to the playoffs. You're a superstar. You're definitely one of the best players in the league. And <clears throat> there's more of an injury risk for Lamar Jackson. Let's just be serious with the way he plays. And he's getting to an age Happened now last finally year. where exactly. And he's getting now. You know, you're, he's getting to an age now where yeah, wear and tear is going to start to build up. You know, you're going into, you know, uh, the the sweet spot of your career. He's already taken some hits and all that. And I know he's he's amazing that way. But, you know, between that and then, hey, we still want, you know, growth on the field as far as continuing to be a better pocket passer and, and all of those things to go along with it. Um, I just I don't understand the approach. I really don't. I don't understand if this is like some magical leverage play or is it just like – hey, we'll figure it out when we figure it out. I, I, I really don't. I can't make sense of it, but for Lamar Jackson, man, I'd like to see him get representation or at least just call the Ravens and get this going and get it going not only to, for your own security, but something we talk about and what you kind of alluded to. It's hard for the Ravens to build the rest of their team when they don't know if they're going to have to pay Lamar right now or when or when it's going to happen. You know, we hope we talk, we heard Nick Casario talk about this the other day. You got Watson in this bucket, the rest of the other guys here, and he's trying to do his best to make the team, but there is this other bucket here that's, you know, a big issue. And I think that's the same thing here with Baltimore. What can you do? You know, you got to be careful about what you're going to spend because all of a sudden Lamar might come to the the table in the middle of April and go, "Oh, let's get it done." And then that's where it's hurting the team, it's hurting himself, and uh, I really don't understand it. 
Eric DeCosta also said, I think it takes two sides to actively put their heads together and get a deal worked out. That is the most diplomatic way he can say, we just can't this, get this guy's attention. Can't and and I remember last right. year when the season started, Shefty had this like this myth building. Oh, he's so focused on football. He doesn't have time to negotiate. That's baloney. And that's all the more reason to have an agent. If you don't have time to take care of the important aspects of your life because you're so focused on your professional exploits, that's all the more reason to hire somebody else to take care of the things you don't have time for. And now he's got time for it, and he's not doing it. That, that, that was just – that was I just. I, I don't know who was behind that or why that got put out there, but that was clearly BS. It wasn't that he was focused on football. It's that he's never been focused on this contract for whatever reason, whether, whether it is some sort of deliberate strategy or he just doesn't know where to begin. He doesn't want to be bothered with it. It stresses him out. He's already lost money, I believe, by not hiring an agent, and he's going to run the risk of losing more because he's going to end up on this de facto Kirk Cousins path where because he was a first-round pick, he's got seven years before he forces his way to market. Seven years. He's got three more seasons to play. Is he really right. going to be a high-end franchise quarterback three seasons from now? I'm not so sure. We need to take a break. I'm sure of that. Let's go ahead and yeah. uh, stand down for a few seconds. We'll be back with more PFT Live. We got some big dudes the here. Combine. They're, they're running right sit after down. This. We'll be right back. More. NetCredit is here to say yes because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.